Welcome to Excellent Adventures, where I, your host, Reese Sweeney, take a step away from my duties as a radio and TV personality and give you a first-hand look at my other love, backyard chickens and homesteading. Take a listen to conversations I have with others who are in farming, homesteading, and connected brands. And some of those conversations go a little like this. She does say I have too much, though. She says I have too many, but I don't think I have enough. The chicken math started mathing. Yep, yep, it's never ending. I only started with like four laying hens. Now I have over 100 chickens and geese and quail. So the first question we ask everybody that comes on to the Excellent Adventures, what was your old cluck moment? The first thing that comes to mind is when the first time I got locked inside one of my own chicken coops. We talk about the highs, the lows, and everything in between. Now let's see who's on this episode of Excellent Adventures. Welcome back to another episode of Black Yard Chickens Presents. Excellent Adventures, Reese right here. We got another special guest, Lisa Steele with Fresh Eggs Daily. She's an author. She's a TV show host actress she also has an array of products for chicken and poultry and she has a wonderful homestead too so welcome to the show miss lisa how you doing hey thanks for having me <laughs> so i want to talk about a few different things today including this tv show you got coming up this cookbook that we've been seeing everything posted then you got the seasoning is it the devilish dill seasoning seasoning yeah this has been an exciting year that's for sure <laughs> You got a lot going on, and I love it. I love every second of it, but first and most, we, we met you through your content. You post such wonderful content. You have over 100,000 followers, and you have these all your poultry, your ducks, your geese, your chicken. Uh, I saw a post the other day of you feeding your geese, and one of them was acting a little bougie with you. So we got to talk about how about it, but we did find out that you're a fifth-generation poultry dealer, as we like to call them. Yeah, um, we can trace back, and it's actually five generations of women in my family. Oh, wow. Which is really cool. Yeah. Um, so we can trace back five generations for sure. And before that, everybody raised everything. You know, so it probably goes back like to the beginning of time. Got you. Got you. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you're in the Northeast, right? Yeah, we're in Maine. Okay. Well, let's talk. Okay. Now, it's several things that we need to talk about, especially because you guys deal with harsh winters. So we want to talk about some coop care in the wintertime and things of that nature. But fifth generation, we love to ask everybody when we start a show, what was your old cluck moment? I'm thinking maybe it was when you were younger but what was your adult old cluck moment that moment that you realized okay I am a chicken lady now I was sitting at my desk at Morgan Stanley I was working on Wall Street <laughs> and I looked around and I was like this is not where I belong I belong <laughs> on a farm in muck food yeah. you know I came from a small town I had chickens as a kid and that's where I belong okay I love that I love that Morgan Stanley is, is no job to fret over I mean, I went to visit one time during a financial seminar. So I know you're dealing with, with a higher dollar situation and you're just sitting at your desk like, you know what, it's time. It's time for a change. I need to get back to my chicken roots. Gotta go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I got, at that time, did you have poultry? No, nope. I you had completely, yeah, I was living on Long Island. I was, you know, taking the train. I was doing the whole commuter thing. City thing. And then you decided mm -hmm. I'm going to move on out. So what moment did you make that pivot? And then what was your first batch of birds. Yeah, so my husband was in the Navy and uh, we ended up in Virginia. He was stationed in Norfolk and we bought a little farm kind of outside of the city and we got some horses and I started raising chickens. It was 2009. Mm. So homesteading was kind of you know, getting popular again. Backyard chickens, the recession. Um, and I wasn't really excited about it. 
I had had chickens as a kid, but I figured, you know, I love animals. We have a barn. I want to put some animals in it. So I got the chickens and just started posting pictures of them on social media, Facebook at that time. Uh-huh. And uh, people just responded. Oh, okay. So you, you oh, back in 09, you you posting stuff on Facebook and you were getting a good feedback from that and mm-hmm. a lot of interaction from it. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook was good for, uh, I mean, I still have like almost 700,000 followers over there. We saw. I don't know who's. <laughs> I don't know who's still there, but um, I've kind of moved over to Instagram more now. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, people, I guess because I'd had them as a kid, so I had that background. Mm-hmm. I knew kind of more than I thought I did. Yeah. Um, you know, as a kid, you're not really paying attention to how to keep them alive or anything like that. Uh, you yeah. <laughs> um, you're just doing chores, like, right? Yeah, you're doing chores. You're collecting eggs. The, ch- the rooster's chasing you. Um, <laughs> but my grandmother, who also had chickens, obviously, was still alive at the time and she lived to be 99 years old wow. and it was so much fun to talk to her you know because she had such different memories mm. you know, she didn't name all her chickens <laughs> it was a you know, it was a chicken farm <laughs> yeah <laughs> I got gotcha. um, we ate her chickens I mean they were for me you know as a kid it didn't bother me now I'd rather eat sticks and twigs instead of eating one of my chickens <laughs> I understand is it because you name them no it's because <laughs> They're am I mean, you feed them every day. Yeah, they yeah. Have names, you have to look them in the eye. <laughs> and you realize, I mean, they have great personalities. You know, they have this whole social order. I just, you look at them more as pets, or I mm-hmm. guess, yeah. as livestock. It would be like eating our cat, you know? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I go by the name rule. If I name it, I can't eat it. <laughs> That's what people say, but sometimes I forget my chicken's name. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had so many over the years and so even if I forget their name I'm still not going to eat them I got you I got you how many do you have do you know how many you have right now um yeah so we have 14 chickens 10 ducks and two geese okay okay I saw the geese last that is that is a lot that's a lot of poultry (laughs) it's a whole lot of poultry at what point in your journey did chicken math happen did you start out with a couple and then it blossomed it did we started out with six it was kind of like going to the candy store and saying i'll take two of those and then before i knew it we had 35 or something like that mm. I'm not even really sure how that happened. (laughs) Nobody knows. (laughs) Nobody knows. And it's funny because in Virginia, the law was you could have two large animals or six small per acre. So we had six acres. So technically, 36 chickens would have been our limit, except we had the two horses. Right. I was gonna say, who polices that? Do they come out and say, "Oh no, you, you, we have to get rid of two chickens." <laughs> two chickens. You have two too many chickens. Yeah. <laughs> that I was a lot, you. though. Three dozen was way too much. I mean, hmm. you're getting way too many eggs. You couldn't yeah. give them away because everyone around us had chickens, and it just gets to be really stressful. I like around a dozen. I think around okay. a dozen chickens is a good, manageable flock size. Okay. Up in Maine, what kind of chickens uh, work better in that in that climate? Because it gets really hot in the summer. It, I've seen it upwards 100 degrees. I've seen you do mm-hmm. some hacks with with the, the seed soup and stuff like that. We could talk about it. But And then the winter gets really hard. So are there any certain breeds that you tend to go toward? Yeah. Um, 
Most of the ones I have are the bigger girls. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> big girls need love too. Yeah, big girls have a better time staying warm in the winter. I tried to stay away from the chickens with a really large comb because yeah. they can get frostbite. Um, basically, no chicken likes to eat. You know, so they're all hot in the summer. They all do pretty well in the winter. The winter was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, okay. We don't heat our coop. I just put in a lot of straw. Everybody's kind of nestled together, you know. Um, just from body heat, our coop stays about 20 degrees warmer than the outside temperature, which you have is crazy. A, you have a really beautiful coop, too. I've seen it looks like a little barn. It almost looks like a she shed. Um, yes, it's full of chickens. Right. Is the ventilation, I can't tell from the pictures, is it more toward the top? Yeah, so we have vent up under the eaves on both sides. Okay. Gotcha. And then we have a window on the two sides and two windows in the front. Got you. So and then a winter. There's really good windows. Yeah. I understand. Because on, on our coop, we have like the hard, hardware cloth going around it. So in the winter, if it gets really, really cold, we have to use um, the tarp to like. Uh, keep the draft out I guess you wouldn't have to do that because of where the ventilation is that's really cool yeah and the windows are real windows like they open and shut so okay. we have uh, the, you know the regular screen on them for flies but then I also have the hardware cloth you know so raccoons and weasels and stuff can't get in yeah, yeah. I, I used to live in New Jersey and we had weasels I was just about to ask you about keeping predators out <laughs> Tough. And I think a, a bear actually got my bird feeders the other day. Wow. Which is one reason. Yeah, which is one reason why I wanted a really nice, nice, sturdy coop. You know, something that a bear can't take apart. Uh, gotcha. We've never, we've never seen one, but we've seen them on the trail cam. And yeah. we have, you know, fish with cats, coyotes. Fox, um, hawks, owls. I mean, the typical predators. I mean, it may that is that's lions and tigers and bears we're talking about here. Lisa. Yeah. This isn't the regular stuff. <laughs> I have to deal with with stray dogs. Like you, like I got coyotes, bears, weasels, raccoons, cheetahs. Yeah, but no cheetahs. Yeah, jaguars, bobcats. <laughs> right. um, but honestly, dogs scare me more than anything because. Mm. Like a coyote or a fox, if they see you, they're probably going to take off. Whereas a neighbor's dog is not going to care. You know, yeah. and dogs just, I mean, they don't mean to. You know, it's not that they're vicious, they just they see a little sweet toy out there in the yard. Right, right. And then they, it's more so fun than, than famine. Exactly, exactly. Right. Well, tell me about your dogs. I know you said you had, do you still have dogs now or do you have any livestock protection animals? <laughs> so we, we had a German Shepherd. We lost her, unfortunately. Um, Sorry to hear that. She, yeah, she was like 11. Mm. Um, she was a good dog. Great, you know, watching out for everybody when they were out free ranging. Yeah. So now we have a corgi who's <laughs> <laughs> not such great protection. I guess. Well, they're fun to look at. <laughs> and then he loves the chickens. He's so good with the chickens. You know, he'll go out when they're out. He doesn't chase them. He doesn't bother them. But he'll just go under the picnic table and fall asleep. So he's not good for protection at all. I got you. Maybe if a bear sees him, he'll fall out laughing and then it'll be, <laughs> be good. Like, what it'll is be good. This? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I want to get a corgi too. I mean, I just love how they look. I've seen your videos of him walking through the snow and stuff like that 
like that, I was like, yeah, yeah. that'll add the value. Cause I say that one of the things that we don't look at when we get chickens or people don't see is the mental health value. When you see a chicken mm-hmm. run, you can't be mad. Right. <laughs> so true. How is that for you? Does that help you find any balance or anything like that with, with, with having poultry and livestock? I mean, sure. Any animal, you know, the cat, the dog, all the animals, you know, sometimes, especially when it's freezing out, I don't want to get up and go outside. (laughs) Right. So I fortify myself with a cup of coffee and then finally I trudge outside. But every time I get down there, you're right. You just kind of feel like you just want to stay there. You know, I'm always like, I'll just run down quick. I'll fill up their water. I'll feed them. I'll come back. And then you're out there for three hours. 20 minutes later. Yeah, three hours. I'm still out there, you know, freezing to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found that out the hard way this winter. I was like, I'm going to just run out here real quick, break up this ice, and uh, make sure everybody has water. And I ran out in flip-flops and shorts. And it was like, probably like, (laughs) it it doesn't get super cold here, but it was a good cold day. It was probably like 20 degrees. And I was Uh out there for like an hour. And I looked, I was like, Uh what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. But, you know, in the cove, it really is a lot warmer. You know, Mm -hmm. as soon as I open that door and I go in with all the straw and the sunlight, coming in it's so much warmer even on a freezing day yeah yeah definitely you guys do deep litter during the winter i I mean sort of modified because we have the ducks too Mm -hmm. and they sleep on the floor okay you know so i do like to have fresh straw for them but roughly yeah i really don't do a good clean out until the spring i just keep adding more bedding you know sometimes they rake Mm -hmm. out the really dirty stuff Um, yeah but yeah the deep litter it, it just makes so much sense. You know, there are people who clean their coops like a couple times a week, even once a week. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, to me, it sounds like a lot. It's a lot. I think people, they work too hard. Mm-hmm. I know people who will rake out their run. Yeah. I mean, in 15 years, I've never raked my run out, ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it starts out grass. You scratch it up in like three days so you have dirt yeah and then they have dirt for the rest of the time you know they poop it dries out it disintegrates right. um you know i'll throw in straw or i'll throw in pine needles or dried leaves they love that it all disintegrates and turns back into dirt yeah you know and i see these people hauling in like truckloads of sand or river rock or all this other stuff and i'm like why it's dirt. Dirt is free. Right. They love it. There's it kinda, worms in it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. It kind of defeats the purpose a little bit. It does. I mean, they. I'll put uh, logs. Like we have like short logs in the run, like around the edges. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, I flip them over, and the chickens and ducks like can dig for the worms and bugs and stuff underneath them. Yeah. Like they love that, and it's free, and it's easy. I don't. I don't understand making more work when we don't need to, you know? This is going to help us make it easier out here. Just listen. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. I think a lot of people give up because they say they're too much work. But if you kind of have your setup and your routine, you know, and then people say, oh, I can't even imagine not cleaning my coop every day. That's gross. And I'm thinking, I haven't cleaned mine in three months. And we had a film crew here last week. Mm -hmm. And everything was fine. 
like nothing smells, nothing dirty. You know, it's just it's just figuring it all out. I get it. Let's talk about it since you mentioned it. The film crew, this this my farm. Tell me about this TV show and everything. We've reached that part of the show where we hook you up with some insider information. Do you want to try an amazing feed at no cost to you? Of course you do, because I would too. All you have to do is go over to Purina's website and in three easy steps, you will get a coupon to start your free trial for some great nutrition for your animals. I did it myself and it only took me about two minutes. It's absolutely worth it. And to make things easier, we have the hyperlink on our website, blackyardchickens.com. Just look under product of the month and you'll see the link right there to go and try your Purina Feed Greatness. And through their trial program, they can pair you with the right nutrition and let you try it with your animals and see the results. Now, I can tell you all day how Purina Feed Greatness has been absolutely phenomenal for my chickens, goats, ducks, and rabbits. But you can see for yourself. Go to Blackyard Chickens with a Z. And right on the homepage, you'll see the section for Purina Feed Greatness Trial. Just click the link, follow those three easy steps, and believe me, your animals will be thanking you. Now, let's get back to this week's adventure. My farm. Tell me about this TV show and everything. How did it come about? And, and yeah, so it started out actually on NBC in Maine. Um, one of the producers, you know, I went to them with the idea of a TV show, local chickens, whatever. They loved it. Mm-hmm. So it aired for I think one year on NBC here in Maine. And then uh, public television came to me and said that they wanted to pick it up nationwide. So we're going into season two. Yeah, it's going to start airing in October on over 300 public television stations and also on Create TV. It's also streaming on Passport. So like if you have Passport, um, which is the public television streaming service, you can watch season one. And they'll probably start re-airing season one leading up to season two. They usually do that. Um, but I can't tell you what time or day because it depends on your local station. Right, you right. Know? Um, but definitely check your listings. I'll you know, be posting as I have more information. But it's just a super fun show. I, I go around Maine. I visit other farms. I pick fresh produce. I cook. I hang out with my chickens. It's kind of like just a day, but the film crew watches me and films me. <laughs> How good does it feel that you left your job and now your job is what you wanted to do and love? Which I love. I'm making tons more money than I ever made on Wall Street, which is insane. <laughs> Um, and I actually enjoy what I do and I don't have to take the train anymore <laughs> <laughs> all positive let's hold on let's say this again you make a ton of more money than you did on Wall Street and you're outside with mm-hmm. chickens doing this mm-hmm. I love it yep. I love and it, it. and it's, it's creative every day is different you know I have a product line so I can you know help develop the products and mm-hmm. design the labels and it's just, just different every day which I love I see it. And you got chicken nutrition. I've seen sows. You got some health products. Tell us about some of the products you have and some of the things we should yes. have. All all poultry farmers should have from your product line. They should have them all. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I started using a bunch of supplements with my chickens because I'm really big into preventive care like mm-hmm. for myself and our animals. You know, if you keep them healthy, you build their immune systems, you're going to have less problems down the road, right? Right. Right. So I work a lot on that. So I give them bruise and garlic and health and flax. 
you know, for omega-3s and immune health and digestive health. I give them probiotics. And I started working with a lab who developed them specifically for the chicken. And it's been great because I was using products for like horses and dogs prior to that. Just because I knew that there was still value, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a daily feed supplement line that you just, you know, mix into your feed. And I mean, knock on wood, I have never had a sick second wow, in that's... 15 years, ever. Like nothing. Um, mm. They live to be like 10 or 11 years old. They just kind of die of old age. Um, so it's been really wonderful. And I really do believe in them. You know, um, in addition to the feed and the water and the eggshells and the grit, mm-hmm. I really do think they need supplements. You know, I I don't have problems with, you know, fluffy butt Friday is a big thing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all have fluffy butt. <laughs> Let's right. put it that way. Um, probiotics, you know, they're, they're so good for people, for your digestive systems. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you start with your baby chicks, they're just going to be healthy. Yeah. And I get email every day from people, you know, all kinds of problems with their chickens. And I just feel like a little preventive care just goes a really long way. That's amazing. I mean, you're talking about 15 years and not one sick chicken, knock on wood, like you said. And and people are hitting you up trying to get this information. How good does it make you feel that you're able to help turn somebody else's luck around? Yeah, it really does. I mean, I know that I've helped people. You know, I get a lot of hateful email <laughs> and messages as well because, um, you know, it's social media. Right. But I do get so many nice messages from people, you know, that, that I've helped them. They didn't know what was wrong or they didn't know what to do. And, you know, I'm pretty much available 24-7. I have, you know, helped people step by step, like, let's try this, let's try that, you know, and sometimes it doesn't work and chickens are, you know, whatever, they're hard to figure out what's going on. Um, But I do know that I have helped people and I feel like that makes a difference, you know, it made a difference to that person and that chicken. Absolutely. I mean, just, just. And I've seen that on social media. The negative comments do get loud for whatever reason. They seem louder because you can have a thousand good ones and one <laughs> bad one. But what mm-hmm. um, what social media platforms do you kind of lean toward on another one? You're like posting and stuff. Like right now, I know TikTok is really cool for me. It's, it's a lot of helpful comments, and it, it doesn't get as much unsolicited or unwarranted uh, advice <laughs> as Facebook does sometimes. What about you? Yeah, Facebook has just gotten really nasty. And even worse is the the spam and the bots and the trolls, mm. you know, and the porn and the, like, I could spend my whole day just deleting all that nonsense. Yeah. Um, so I've tried to move away from there. I do enjoy Instagram um, and Reels a little bit. I did TikTok for a while, but... It just takes a lot of time, as you know. Video content, and I don't feel like I'm cool enough for that. Um, <laughs> I beg yeah, to differ. So <laughs> I beg to differ. You have great content. I think you are. You have a whole TV show. What do you mean you're not cool enough? I don't know. I don't feel like I'm cool enough for, for uh, TikTok. Um, and I tried Threads, but I don't even understand the point. Like, I wish it's, there was just one platform. Yeah, me too. Because it's just too much. You know, there's Pinterest, which, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's just kind of like an autopilot, but it's still there, you know? And then there's Twitter, and there's Threads, and then there's all the other, like, super politically charged platforms, which... 
you know, I talk right. about chickens, so I don't want to be on there. Right. Um, but I'd be happy if social media kind of just collapsed and went away. I honestly mm. enjoy doing a TV show. Yeah. I love writing books. I like doing in-person events. I like that stuff, you know? Me I too, think you yeah. can just get sucked into the social media hole. And for me, it goes away. You know, like if it's not on your first page, nobody probably ever sees it again. So you're creating all this great content, limited life. You know, my blog is there. It's searchable. Um, it's content that I feel like people see, like posts from 2012 are still getting hundreds or thousands of views a month. So I feel like that's more sustainable. You know, I put my time into that and that's going to help people for a longer time, if that makes sense. It does. It does. It's because it's content specific to people knowing what they're coming for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love the entertainment value. I can, I can scroll reels way longer mm-hmm. than I should. <laughs> but it's mostly for just you know pure entertainment. Like it's a mm-hmm. lot of corgis. It's a lot of cupcake frosting. It's a lot of you know kittens, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I want to learn something, I'm definitely like Googling or going to a, a site that I use a lot or whatever. Right, right. So we need to Google some chicken nutrition on how to make the best deviled eggs ever. We're going to your website. Yeah. <laughs> We're going yeah, to Fresh exactly. Eggs Daily. Let's talk exactly. about this. Because like random. You know, yeah. like you, you might see a post on the best deviled eggs, but you might not. Like, yeah. TikTok and Reels are very, very random. Right, very much so. Like, you might yeah. try to hit a hashtag for chicken coops, and it'll pull up a KFC that's shaped like a chicken coop. So I understand. <laughs> yeah, three three hours later, you're like, wait, I, chicken coops, and now I'm looking yeah. at like, you know, whatever, like corgis dressed like Batman, which for some right. reason that always happens to me. <laughs> yeah, we call it rabbit holes, and we end yeah. up deep in them, especially three in the right. morning. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Let's talk about the cookbook. Um, how did that come about? Like, what what was the first one that you wanted to write, and then, or what was that first recipe that gave you the, the kind of motivation to do it? So obviously, I've been cooking eggs like a lot of years, right? <laughs> right. And I've written a lot of books on chickens, and I kept saying to my editor, like, because he'd say to me as I was finishing up a book, like, "What do you want to write next?" And we had kind of brainstorm, and I kept saying the cookbook. And he just was not into it. Did not like the idea. Didn't think, you know, whatever. So then right before COVID started, or right as, I said, you know what? I really, really want a cookbook. It's just something that, like, I've always loved cooking and baking and watching the Food Network and all that. And so I had a heart-to-heart with him, and he was super nice. He let me out of my contract with them and basically, you know, wished me luck and said, if you ever want to come back and write more chicken books, we're here. (laughs) So I hired an agent, and he uh, loved the idea, pitched the book around, and HarperCollins also loved the idea. And all of a sudden, I had a cookbook deal with Harper Collins, which wow. is insane. It I mean, is. It is. It's wonderful, though. That's amazing. It, it is. It, that was one of the pinch me moments. Like it's one thing to write chicken books with a medium-sized publisher when you you know raise chickens for so long and you have a blog and all these followers, but like a cookbook with Harper Collins, that's like a big deal. Yeah. And I, you know, dove in and I started, you know, pulling recipes, my favorites and this and that. And a couple of months in, I think it actually sunk in. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm actually writing that cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, some people may not be able to put it together. But that's like me saying, OK, I want to put an album together. And then Quincy Jones calls me. He's like, OK, I'm going to produce it for you. That's basically what happened. Yeah, 
and you're like, okay, great. And then three months later, you're like, oh my God, I'm doing an album with Quincy Jones. Like, because people have asked me over the years if I ever have like imposter syndrome. And honestly, no, never, because I know my stuff. Mm. I know chickens. I know how to raise them. You know, 100% confident in the advice I was giving. I felt very comfortable with what I was doing. Yeah. Didn't feel like an imposter for a second. When the cookbook came out, I felt like an imposter. <laughs> because I was like, I don't have any formal training, no background in this. You know, um, but it was so well received. And, you know, I got a Publishers Weekly review, um, which was wonderful. I was on NPR. I did just so many moments that, like, if, if I had a bucket list, they would be on it. You know, and it's selling really well. It's ranked right up there with some of the really big cookbook authors. So I'm like, well, maybe I'm not an imposter. Like, maybe I really do know how to cook. The accolades kind of speak for themselves. <laughs> and I'm sure you tasted your products before you put the recipes in there. <laughs> no, I did. I did. And a lot of them are ones that I make all the time. So I knew that they were. They did hire a recipe tester. Mm-hmm. And then when we were shooting the cookbook, the photos, they, you know, obviously had to make the, the, every recipe. And it was professional chef doing there you that. go right so that was kind of nerve-wracking because i was afraid that some of them wouldn't work mm. but they did there you go now you're a bestseller yeah. <laughs> i like it let's get back to the coops um we talked about kind of your structure and things you do in the winter for preventative but what are some of those hacks that you've picked up or something that you think every person with a chicken coop or backyard chicken should know that's a really good question um i think one of the things that i see a lot that i don't necessarily agree with is when people have a completely covered run you know, with a solid roof. Yeah. Because sunlight is really a great way to kill all kinds of germs and pathogens, dry things out. So it might seem like it's a great idea to have a covered run. Mm-hmm. I really like one that's open to the sunlight because it's going to be healthier in the long run. Chickens also need vitamin D in order to lay eggs. So if they're not getting out in the sun at least part of their day, that's going to be detrimental. Um, That's probably the biggest mistake I see. I think most people by now have figured out that you can't use chicken wire. Yeah. It's not going to keep anything out. (laughs) Nothing at all. (laughs) Nothing. Although I do see some real brand new people you know beautiful coop chandelier the whole deal right and their whole run is made out of chicken wire and i'm thinking hmm, that'll last 30 minutes last week. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you have to go overboard in the predator proofing yeah yeah what's a uh, cre- uh predator proof hack i, I know you've kind of said it earlier with the solid coop with the ventilation but what's another thing that um we may not have mentioned that you think would be great Okay, the latches and things on your coop, it, raccoons are everywhere. They can fly deadbolts. They can lift up latches. So you really want like a, a lock with a carabiner or even a, you know, a padlock on it. I love those locking eye hooks. Yeah. You know, the ones with spring-loaded eye hooks. And they have to be on everything. Your coop door, your run door. Some of the coops have to lid on the nesting boxes. Yes. 
that a lot of people forget to lock and raccoons will slide in at night. Mm -hmm. A lot of people emailing me about that. Got you, got you. Do you have anything specific to snake? I get a question about snakes every day, and I say, okay, I we use cayenne pepper around the coop, right? Because they slide through it, get irritated, and immediately leave. I've never had a snake problem. Knock on wood. What about you? That's interesting. That is one of my most popular posts, month after month, week after week, is how to keep snakes out of your coop. Here, fortunately, we haven't had a problem. Maine mm. doesn't have any venomous snakes or anything. But in Virginia, oh, yeah. we had those black rat snakes. And mm-hmm. they would get in the coop, curl up in the nest. They would eat the eggs. Cayenne is a great idea. Also, sulfur, like mm. powdered sulfur you can sprinkle around. Okay. And also, um, if you have mice or rats that are burrowing up into your run, yes. the snakes will use those tunnels. So it's really important for stuff like aluminum foil or uh, what's that other stuff? Um, like you scrub pots with. Oh, the Brillo pads. The bro- yeah, Brillo mm-hmm. pads, something like that. Push those into the holes so the snakes can't use those tunnels. Okay. But also the best tip, which comes from John Wayne, Cowboys, when they would sleep, like out in the prairie or wherever they were sleeping, yeah. they would take their lariat or lefty, whatever it's called, and make a circle around themselves. Uh-huh. So if you take like a thick rope and just lay it on the ground around your coop, uh-huh. supposedly snakes won't go over it. Oh, they may think it's a bigger snake. That makes sense. I guess. I don't really know how a snake thinks, but apparently that <laughs> right. works. I don't trust and anything with me. Lane, so. it, well, <laughs> it worked for him. Right. That makes sense. I mean, I'm, I'm sure everybody probably has a busted garden hose or something like that that they yeah. can loop around their coop and then it'll probably keep the snakes out. And, and just like every other predator, a couple layers of protection never hurts. So mm-hmm. do they right. tie in, do, they do everything. Yeah. Yeah, it does not It does not hurt at all. I lock my doors and turn on my alarm. I get it. We've reached that part of the show where we hook you up with some insider information. And this week, it's all about eating, pet, and pasture. And I got a 20% discount code for you. As farmers, we know the love and care it takes to raise happy and healthy animals. So choose the best when it comes to bedding, premium cut Timothy hay, and trees for your furry and feathery friends. So if you're looking for super absorbent hemp bedding or nesting pads for your laying ladies, look no further than eating, pet, and pasture. Check them out right now at EatonPetAndPasture.com. And first-time shoppers get a 20% discount by typing in Reese at checkout. That's R-E-E-C at checkout. Now let's get back to another excellent adventure. Is there anything that you have borrowed lately from another poultry person or gotten some advice lately that you wouldn't mind sharing? You know, this is so bad to say, but I don't really follow that many other chicken accounts. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) You're ca- I mean, actually, I, I, you know what? You're kind of the queen of, of chicken farming. So, you know, you're 15 years. And I think you're the person who's had the most experience in years, best-selling author, uh, TV show. So I understand. It's so bad. I mean, sometimes I'll Google to, you know, research something or find mm-hmm. another topic for a blog post. And, like, all the posts that come up are mine. Well, that's really <laughs> It's a great problem to have. Exactly. I follow a lot of Corgi accounts. That's all I have to say. There we go. Well, give me a piece of Corgi advice. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely thinking about getting a Corgi. They are great farm dogs. Their tails used to be docked. I believe it's illegal now, but some of them actually have evolved. They don't have tails. Mm. 
but that was so livestock couldn't grab onto their tails gotcha. they were looking for the ghosts or whatever mm. also because they're so low to the ground they roll really well so they can roll quickly out of the way if a cow or a horse is going to kick them okay and they can also go under fences so when we had our horses, you know, we had fencing and there was a gate and our German Shepherd used to have to go around, you know, to get out. The corgis would just go under the fence. See, I, I'm trying to talk my <laughs> my lady into not getting a corgi. You just gave me 45 reasons. Now I have to get one. 45 reasons <laughs> to get a corgi, yeah. No, they are really great little farm dogs. I mean, right. they're, they're not afraid of anything. Um... He's, yeah, he's, he's just a great little dog. I love it. We got a female German Shepherd and a great Pyrenees. Why not get a corgi? <laughs> now we have that's what we large, need. Yeah. large, medium, and small. I mean, we do need a dog that's outside twenty four seven just mm. to get the coyote. Well, maybe so I can. Corgi's not it. <laughs> he's good for so many other things. So. Yeah. <laughs> I got well now. Maybe I can tell you about something. Those great Pyrenees. A one dog, yeah. unmatched, and they'll do well in that climate up there. Yes, I believe that. You always mm-hmm. see the the videos in the winter of mm-hmm. the the Pyrenees out in the snow, and you know all the people are posting, "Let that dog in the house," <laughs> you know, whatever. Put a jacket on that dog, and you know that that's where the dog is the happiest. Yep. <laughs> all right, let's get into some of our faster questions now as we wind down. Okay. If somebody was just getting started, because you have the trifecta, you have uh, geese, ducks, and mm-hmm. chicken, where would you tell them to start at if they wanted some backyard poultry? I mean, I really love ducks. If I had to do it over again, I think I would just stick with the ducks. Mm-hmm. They're so much easier. They're better layered. They're definitely more cold hardy. They're always in good mood. Way more entertaining. <laughs> so the chickens do that was Oh man, okay. I like it. Duck Mama speaks. <laughs> They're in better mm-hmm. moods than chickens. <laughs> oh yeah, chickens are always grouchy. You know that. Yes, unless you have food in hand. Exactly, or it's too hot or too cold, or it's raining mm-hmm. or it's snowing. Ducks are happy no matter what. I love. It. I'm on my first batch of ducks. We got four ducks that we're brooding right now. You are going to love them. They're, I mean, just watching them interact with the chickens, it's almost like they laugh at the chickens because the chickens are always so unhappy. Tell me tell me a little trick on how I could integrate those two because obviously all my chickens are grown. They've mm-hmm. got their pecking order already set. I got four babies and a brooder. I was going to try to do an introduction through a dog kennel fence like, a, like we normally do, but I didn't know if there were certain special hacks that we need to get into. I mean, not really. Ducks don't really have a pecking order. I feel like there's always a different leader. Every day, they just kind of go, okay, Fern, you're in charge today. Um, (laughs) And I've never had a problem adding ducks to chickens. The chickens seem to understand that they're not part of their pecking order. So you kind of can just add them. And ducks get so big so fast that, you know, by eight or ten weeks, they're going to be as big as the chickens. I was worried at first that the ducks were really going to get beat on by the chickens. I mean, chickens have beats, they have talons, you know, and my money would be on the ducks if it came down to it. They they don't take any nonsense from the chickens. Mm. 
Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Mm-hmm. And these ducks, these ducks are getting really big fast. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because I thought maybe I had steroids in my ducks or something. I don't know. Yeah. The ducks are no, getting they, huge. They, they grow really, really fast. Yeah. And if you can right. get them out on the grass, maybe free range everybody. See how mm-hmm. they do. Yeah. But yeah, we have fine. a we have a separate pen set up for the ducks with a little okay. pool in it and stuff. But I'm thinking maybe we can integrate, and then I can use that pen for something else. Maybe a super huge tortoise. Who knows? As yeah, I look to geese. the left to see if I get approval. Geese, we do love the geese. If, if <laughs> the geese laid more, they only lay for maybe two months. You know, they don't lay very many, 25 or 30 eggs a year, maybe. Mm-hmm. But if the geese laid more eggs, then I would definitely say we would just do geese. Okay. They are, are definitely the best. So the geese outdo the ducks now? They do, except for the laying issue. I mean, okay. they're bigger, so you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about hawks or, you know, smaller predators. Yes. They're mean. They can be when they're, you know, sitting on their nest or whatever during mating season. Uh-huh. But, uh, I mean, ours are super sweet. You know, we can raise them. And they eat grass. I mean, if you they were grassy around, they, you probably wouldn't have to feed them. Okay. Okay, I see it. So I know the ducks can be cooped with the chickens. Geese need to be separate, it sounds like. They have ours separate just because they're so much bigger. Gotcha. I and mean, they, they really are huge. And I don't want anyone to get stepped on or trampled or hurt or whatever. So we do gotcha. have ours separate. Gotcha. Okay. That sounds great, man. I, I really appreciate that information. So uh, any ha- any duck hack that I should know before I let you off of this podcast, any <laughs> duck hack? Because we're, we're new duck duck people. Yeah, ducks get a really bad rap. People say they're so messy and dirty. Mm. Ducks are super clean, but they make a huge water mass. So okay. no food and water inside ever. Okay. Always outside, year-round. And understand that, you know, runoff from your air conditioner or your downspout, they're going to make a huge mud in it. <laughs> okay. Anywhere that they can get access to moisture, they're going to find it and utilize it. love their water. The gravity waterers do not work. They'll Mm. empty them in four seconds. Wow, okay. So you've got to use like bowls or tubs or whatever, which they will then hop in and slam in. (laughs) And because of their bills, you really can't use a nipple waterer, huh? Oh, they'll empty those too. Once they figure out that they can do something and the water keeps coming out, they'll just keep doing it. Okay. Okay. Good to know. But they can't actually drink from it though, right? I mean, they can. I personally don't think they, those nipple waterers are natural for any poultry. Right. That's, they don't nurse. That's not, you know, they're not mammals. Yeah. So drinking out of a bowl or something like that is more normal for them. Makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, Lisa. I appreciate your time. I want everybody to check out her on Instagram, social media, Fresh Eggs Daily. Make sure you get those cookbooks. Make sure you get that seasoning. It can all be found on your website, right? Yes. The links to everything are on my website or on social media at Fresh Eggs Daily. Cool. And then we'll be looking out for season two. 
Yes, absolutely. All right, I can't wait. I wish I was in Maine. I would love to be on it. I got goats now. I feel special. <laughs> Where are you? West Atlanta, west of Atlanta. Oh, okay. Well, maybe yeah. we'll travel for season three. Okay, if so, then let me know. We appreciate you <laughs> okay. coming on. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Excellent Adventures, powered by Black Yard Chickens. Now, if you think you want to raise your own backyard flock, here's the site for you, blackyardchickens.com. We make entertaining videos about raising baby chicks from scratch. You know what I mean by from scratch, right? Or maybe you want to learn how to take care of your own big chickens or hens and get those fresh eggs. Building a coop or buying a coop, having the necessary things inside that coop to get great egg production. You'll learn a lot of the neat tricks I've picked up along the way from other chicken enthusiasts. And you can get pretty eggs just like those. So follow us on social media and check us out on our YouTube channel. Bye.